Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in, this is the First Means Everything podcast with me Jonathan and me Brew. Um, just a bit of an introduction, um, we are First Means Everything, we run fitness uh, events and competitions, my side of things, I run the online aspect of the business, the marketing. Um, and I run the logistics and uh, program the workouts. So yeah, we, we each have different focuses inside of the business and they come together to form a pretty cool team. Um, I would say that ultimately comes together on competition day to deliver a great experience for our athletes. We just uh, closed the registration for our 2020 individuals competition and it was our biggest year yet. Um, 400 athletes signed up, so thank you very much. Um, and we did a couple of things differently this year, which um, we experimented. And obviously, we've had a bigger year, but you know, we just wanted to try some things differently. So, firstly, we reduced the price of qualifier registration. Um, originally, that was at fifteen ninety nine. I think it was, and reduced that down to twelve ninety nine after early bird prices. And secondly, we also introduced a prize pool a cash prize pool for rx rx athletes um so that's the first time we've done that that might have had a, an input on those signups yeah i think uh putting the prize pot out there for the rx athletes was our way of trying to get some of the athletes who may have entered the scale division um when not they didn't necessarily have to be in that scale division to push themselves and kind of go into the rx category and really try and fight for that prize pot. So that was one of the reasons behind um, putting that prize pot together. Yeah. So that's one of the things that, as I said, we've, we've experimented with. Um, and we actually did a nice scale on that prize pot. So as more people signed up, there was different tiers of the prize pot. So as we hit, say, 300 signups, we actually unlocked the next level, which was another £200. And then 350 signups added another £200. So... It was a nice way to kind of incentivize people who were perhaps on the on the edge or on the fringe of signing up to actually go ahead and do that. Um, so, you know, I think that's part of the aspect of running a business like this is kind of figuring out ways to get more people to sign up. And we've, we've tried a couple of ways this year. Yeah, I think, you know, this is our third individual competition. It'll be our fourth competition in total. We did our first paired one the back end of last year. But I think competition to competition, we've kind of learned and we've gone from strength to strength. Definitely. So outside of kind of the competition and our finals, our individual finals is on April 4th at Sunderland University. But outside of competitions and events, um, we also have plans to kind of establish the FME brand in in other areas. Do you want to talk a bit about that, Stephen? Yeah, so we've uh, we've got a couple of ideas and uh, plans, and in one of those is that we're actually going to introduce programming in the not so distant future, um, where we'll offer a couple of weeks of kind of a free trial of the programming, and then it'll be like a monthly sign up to to receive like a five to six day a week program. Um, which I've been wanting to do for quite a while now. It's something I really enjoy. Obviously, I program the workouts 
for the competitions, the qualifiers, the finals. Um, I run a gym as well, so I've been programmed for CrossFit kind of workouts for six, seven years now. It's uh, something that we receive a lot of praise for from our competitions, the programming of the workouts. Um, so we wanted to kind of allow our athletes to, to do our programming all year round. I think really that's one of the strengths of the um, of FME is the programming and not only because it's brutal and we hear that a lot from athletes but also because it's quite original, uh, varied in the kind of format so I feel like a lot of people would would like to see that and have access to that kind of programming in their day-to-day training to help them prepare for not just first means everything comps but other competitions and just becoming fitter in general yeah i think that's it you know i think we both have some sort of level of ocd me um especially with the workouts you know um the finals workouts qualifies workouts i think uh, i can't remember which one it was for the the paired one last year but it went through about 15 variations before i actually got it the way i wanted it to to look at the finals and you know i kind of really go in depth when i create a workout i think about how it's going to feel how it's going to look um especially at the finals you know one that visual aspect um, one that looked good to the crowd, so the 369 AMRAPs for anyone who did the um, paired one in November, it kind of like, it brought the athletes from the back of the room forward towards the, the audience, the crowd, and uh, it was just quite a cool thing to look at. So that's something that I always think about when I'm planning the workouts, how's it going to set up, how's it going to work logistically on the floor. Um, so it does take quite a little bit of uh, thinking about, but uh, I think we've kind of, we've got a good balance of, uh, of the programming. So just coming back to the kind of uh, programming subscription, if you like, how would that work? Um, will that cater for athletes of all abilities or is it just specifically for RX athletes who are competing or would scaled athletes benefit too? No, it will be written um, towards the RX athlete, but there will be scalable options in there. Um, so anyone, whether you're just starting out in CrossFit or you've been doing CrossFit competitively for years, will be able to jump onto the program. Like I said, there'll be options to make things easier, to make things harder. There'll also be options if you don't have a certain piece of equipment. For example, if you don't have a sandbag, there'll be a, an option and a variation for that. So everyone should be able to um, do the programming. As if you train in a CrossFit gym or a CrossFit style gym, you'll uh, you'll quite easily be able to jump on the programming and make it work. So it's infinitely scalable to, to accommodate athletes of all abilities. Yeah, everyone should be able to jump on and do it. Awesome. So another area that we are keen to explore is uh, merchandise. I think we have a quite a strong brand. Uh, it's, it's certainly not like many other CrossFit, or fun, might get sued for saying that, functional fitness events. It's quite unique. It's very strong. It's easily identifiable. And I think a lot of people are keen and a lot of people ask us to provide merchandise obviously people get shirts at the at the um at our events when they're competing but we don't we've never really sold t-shirts sweatshirts caps etc so that's one area that we're kind of exploring it's difficult because and again this comes out of logistics but we are hesitant to um drop a load of cash on a stockpile of merchandise that we might not sell so there's kind of two options that we have in that regard and we're still kind of figuring out what we prefer we can take the pre-order approach where we come up with some designs for things put them on pre-sale people pre-sale essentially pre-ordering their item and then we can make the exact order of quantity that we need 
Alternatively, we can have um, a drop shipper take care of producing the garments, um, sending the garments out, and we just process the payment. Um, so that means that it's kind of, it's almost passive in that the, the, the store is, on li is live all the time, but um, there's actually no kind of involvement for us, so to speak. So we're kind of deliberating between the two still, um, between that, running the competitions and getting the programming off the ground, there's, there's a lot going on. Um, do you have any thoughts on the merchandise, Stephen? No, like you said, I think we do have a, a really strong brand. The logo looks great and uh, you know people have been asking for, for various items and it is something we want to do, but it's like it's like anything we do. Um, you know, Before we launched our first competition, we've been planning for over a year. Um, I think a lot of people jump into things like two-footedly without really kind of stepping back and kind of analysing the situation. So that's kind of what we're in the process of doing at the minute with the merch and the programming. You know, the programming is something we want to do for a long time. It's just making sure we're ready um, and kind of we're going to give the customer the best uh, the best products when it comes to the merch and uh, make it as easy as possible for us as well because I think a lot of people don't realise how much time actually goes in there to planning these events and qualifiers. It's yeah. uh, it's, it's There's a lot of work goes on behind the scenes. I think people just think, you know, you turn up on a competition day as an athlete and uh, we've just been there a couple of hours before and put some mats out and some barbells and we go home when you guys go home at five o'clock and uh, have a beer and that's it till next year. If only it was that simple. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot, there's a hell of a lot goes on behind the scenes. You know, the the finals have been in preparation and planning for um, for a couple of weeks now. Um, once sign-ups close, then we, we start allocating, or working out how many final spots we can allocate to each category, which takes days in itself. You know, you, you've got to try and plan the athletes which are going to be in each heat from each category, what workouts those athletes are going to, or sorry, what equipment those athletes are going to need for workouts, how it's going to work, how many workouts the athletes are going to compete on the day, which will allow, you know, let us work out what the start and finish time is. And, you know, that's something that I said, it does take days, but, you know, I think one of, like, my big reasons behind wanting to, to do FME and create these events is, you know, I've competed in quite a few competitions um, over the years that I competed and there were some good ones there were some not so good ones but what I found is I always felt like I didn't get enough time on the competition floor and I think that's another really good thing we do you know we give athletes a good amount of workouts um, you know they generally will compete in at least four workouts and spend a lot of time on the floor um, there's not hours and hours between events you generally it's an hour and 15 an hour and a half between events and then you're back on the floor and you know that's something that I think we've been really proud of and we do really well. I think talking about the organisation, I think those are two of the strongest pieces of feedback that we get from athletes, uh, spectators at our events, and that's how smoothly the event runs um, from keeping to schedule to athletes knowing where to go, judges being prepped, that kind of stuff. Um, and secondly, as Stephen was saying there, you know, you know, athletes come to our events and they get a good chunk of time actually working out. So take from our pairs finals just in November, take one of the workouts there, there was, you know, a combined 18 minutes of work um, yeah. between two athletes. That was just one workout. So there's, you do get a significant amount of time on the floor. And as Stephen says, that takes a lot of planning because 
a lot of people ask, oh, how many people are going to the finals from this division and that division? And it's not just a case of um, taking half of the leaderboard, for example. We have to factor in the equipment that's available. Um, obviously, we have different weights for females and males, different weights for skilled athletes, RX athletes. So we have to factor all that in when planning heats um, in order to, in order for the day to run as smoothly as it does. Yeah, I think one of the questions we always get through the qualifying process, like multiple, it's pretty much hourly, is how many athletes are going to go through from the RX male under 35s and then you know, an hour later how many uh, female skilled over 35s are going to go through. In the truth uh, the matter is, we don't actually know until sign-ups close. And then once sign-ups close, we can then allocate spaces fairly. So, for example, for this one, it's pretty much the top 50% of each category that are going through. Um, some uh, up and down a little bit. Um, the athletes going from each category um, are basically going through in groups of six. To, and that's how it's going to work in the finals. We're going to have uh, heats of 12. It'll be six male and six female together on the floor is kind of one heat and that's how we've, we've planned these finals. Okay, Stephen, so in the past we've been quite tight-lipped about workouts at finals. We've never really released anything prior to the day. Athletes are always briefed on the morning. But maybe we could share a little teaser of some of the workouts to come on April 4th? Um, yeah. Um, RX athletes, what I would say is get comfortable with being upside down. Upside down. Interesting. And for all athletes, obviously in the qualifiers this year, we tested strength in a slightly different way. Um, we tested strength with the deadlift ladder, which was quite high repped and the load went up. Um, that won't be the case at the finals. Your strength event at the final is a very low rep, high skill movement. Interesting. Okay, guys, so if you've tuned in and you've listened to the teasers, uh, why don't you DM us your guesses? And if you're right, well, we won't tell you, but it'll be fun anyway. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. We'll probably check in again after the finals events just to do a recap of how it went. Um, but yeah, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ruth. Uh, so thanks for listening. For the latest competition news, find us on Instagram, Facebook or visit firstmeanseverything.com.